are listening to the Innovo Podcast, a ministry of Innovo Vineyard Church in Wichita, Kansas. To learn more about Innovo, you can visit us online at innovovineyard.com. We hope you enjoy this message from God's Word. Good morning. Um, as was mentioned, my name is Stephanie Williams. I am normally back with the kids. Um, that is my comfort zone. This very much is not. So I just want to thank you all for being here, and I hope that this word speaks to you. Um, It is short. You'll all be home in time for lunch. Just going to warn you. So um, today, actually, uh, begins our new sermon series, A Year in His Presence. Um, I'm usually in the multi-purpose room. Like I said, I do kids' church. So, because I'm a lot more comfortable speaking to the kids, they just, there's something about them that makes me comfortable. And actually, speaking of comfort, it would be amazing if you could all just grab a bean bag and sit here in front of me, because that's my comfort zone, and play with your masks, and I could tell you not to do that, and quit talking, you know. That would make it make better. Um, I'm going to tell you a little bit about myself, um, a little bit about my personality. I am very stubborn, a lot. <laughs> I don't like to share. I don't like emotions. I mean, you know, it's the whole gamut. So this was definitely way outside any comfort zone I've ever had. Um, For those of you who don't know, I was born and raised in Oklahoma. I'm an only child, and I lived in a two-parent household, which can be rare, especially nowadays. My childhood was really great. I was a rule follower for the most part. Um, I didn't grow up in church, but I did attend random churches with friends, or like if I would spend the night with some of my family, I would go with them. I met my then future husband, Tim, in six-hour biology class my sophomore year. Um, Both of us barely passed that class. That's how our parents met, I believe, at parent-teacher conference, because we both got in trouble. Um, But he was a Christian, and... I think that's one of the things that attracted him, was made him so attractive to me. I could just see that in him, and he was, like, when I met him and started talking to him, I knew right away, we're going to spend our lives together. I did not tell him that because I didn't want to freak him out, but I just knew. Every day, I was like, hey, this is the guy for me. Um, We got engaged our senior year of high school, which is rare. I don't recommend it. It worked out for us. It doesn't work out for everybody. And then we got married a year later. Tim was in the Marine Corps, and he was stationed at Camp Pendleton in Oceanside, California. So our first daughter, Victoria, was born there in 1997. In 99, Tim got out of the Marine Corps, and we moved back to Oklahoma. It was at a small church in Enid, Oklahoma, that I became a Christian and was baptized. That is also where we lived when our second daughter, Allie, was born. In Oklahoma, not in the church. Uh, In 2001, so Allie was literally just a few months old, Tim was laid off from his job. But he immediately received an offer from Cessna here in Wichita, so we moved to Kansas. Um, A couple years later, our third and final daughter, Amelia, was born. So now you can understand why we stopped moving, because all three of our children were born in different states. We just, who knows how many kids we would have had. 
In college, I studied child development, and I've worked in a lot of jobs over the years. Retail, childcare, I've uh, been a pre-K teacher, preschool teacher, I was a lunch lady, and now I'm in charge of the kids' ministry. I've always worked with and around kids in some capacity. Um, I've been in charge of the kids' ministry here at Innovo for about eight years. And this is by far my favorite job. I don't say that because I'm here. It really, truly is. Even on days when I'm moody, tired, upset with the world, I can come here and it just turns my mood around because the kids are just such a joy to be with. Even when they're being honored, they're still good kids. Every single one of them. I know some of you may doubt it because you're their parents. They're all amazing and they're all really great kids. So now back to our main topic, which is a year in his presence. So I've not always walked the Christian walk, obviously, but God has always been present. I didn't always recognize it at the time, but now that I'm older, more mature, I can look back and I can clearly see where he was guiding me, my family, and the events that were in my life towards him. When I was about in the fourth grade, my dad lost his job. My parents had both worked full time. They made a great living. They had bought a house three years earlier. And my dad was eventually able to find another job, but not at the income that he had been making. So my parents were able to survive and piece stuff together over the years. But over the time, uh, the bank foreclosed on our house. Uh, we lived in a duplex for a couple years until I finished high school. And then um, at the in January of my freshman year of college, my great-grandmother passed away. And that was about four months before Tim and I got married. Well, they left their she left her house and all the furnishings in it to my mom. Uh, my parents didn't need two houses full of stuff. So Tim and I wound up getting everything we needed for our first place. I think we probably would have been sitting on the floor if it hadn't been for that, because literally we had a bedroom set and that was about it. Um, if my parents had not bought the house that we lived in when I was growing up, then uh, I would never have met Tim. We just happened to be in the same town, grew up in the same town. We didn't go to the same school until we were in high school. But God placed me there, and that's how I was able to find Tim. He was working out a way in a difficult circumstance. Uh, my great-grandmother passing away was not good for any of us. But God used it for good. Getting married and moving halfway across the country was the scariest thing Tim and I ever did. But God made a way. When Tim got out of the Marine Corps and got a job in Enid, Oklahoma, it wasn't so bad because my parents were about an hour and a half away. Tim's parents were about three hours away. Well, we bought our very first house. Our realtor invited us to his church and they got a new pastor shortly after we started going there who led me to Christ, and he baptized me and my uh, oldest, Victoria. The pastor and his wife became our best friends, and they even had a son that was close to Victoria's age. That pastor and his family helped him and I through so many rough patches, even after we moved to completely different states. When Allie was about three months old is when Tim lost his job, like I said earlier. The company had lost their contract with the Air Force Base he worked at, and since he hadn't been working there long, when they, uh, the new company took over, they hired on a um, 
priority basis. And Tim had not been there very long, so he was one of the first to go. Um, fortunately, he got a job very quickly. He moved, but we did have to live apart for a while. We were never able to sell our house, so the bank got it back. I couldn't believe that such a terrible thing could happen to us because at that point in my life, I felt like we were doing everything we were supposed to. We were following God. We were going to church. We were raising our kids like that. And then this terrible thing happened to us. It, but God was there, and he was working in our lives. So I'm going to jump forward a little bit in our story so I can get to the meat of the story. Clearly, God can work in anyone's life at any time. But the true blessing and appreciation of his presence are magnified infinitely when we're spending time seeking him. Seeking him, letting him take the lead. In 2004, our daughter Allie had her first seizure. I didn't know what to do. I was just sitting there. I didn't even know it was a seizure. Um, but Tim was able to think quickly and act. And after that day in May, one seizure led to another, and quickly she was having hundreds of seizures a day. Allie was on so much medication, she could barely talk. You could not have a conversation. It would take 20 minutes to even say one sentence. We've now been on this epilepsy journey for 17 years. Never would have picked it, wouldn't wish it on anyone for any reason. She has a rare form of epilepsy known as Lennox-Gastaut syndrome. It has no cure. It is degenerative. Um, it is very likely that Tim and I will outlive her. We, um, there's no medication that stops her seizures. Um, she takes four different medications right now. Uh, so usually when you see her, you don't see any of that. Her seizures are at night, which is a whole other set of problems. But she takes um, the four different medications and the side effects of these medications while they help her seizures decrease. She only has 15 to 40 a month, depending on the month. Um, these medications cause liver failure and aplastic anemia, to name a few. Um, Allie's epilepsy at times has financially crippled us. Even though Tim makes a very sufficient wage, he's always been paid well by Cessna, um, it has dictated nearly every decision we have made. From having to be home, so she can be in bed by eight o'clock every night, even now at 20 years old, she still has to stick to that schedule. She has to be on a strict routine we don't really travel a lot with her because any change in her, room, her uh, routine can trigger a seizure. But it's during these 17 difficult and sometimes absolutely unbearable years that Tim and I have not only grown closer to each other, because we wouldn't have made it <laughs> if we didn't, and more importantly, we've grown, grown closer to God in his presence. Um, God's presence and the comfort of the Holy Spirit are the only way that we've made it through. Uh, Allie's seizures, like I said, only happen at night now, which makes the daytime less stressful. I don't feel like I have to stare at her constantly because there's been times, and I think there's even been 
we did a VBS a few years ago, and um, that was when alley seizures were really bad, and she had one in the middle of VBS, and it was so awful, and I'm like, you know, in charge of like, I don't even know like how to, I figured it out, she's fine, but I was like, it just literally, we couldn't even leave the house, because she would, she's been in bath and body work, she's been in so many places. Fortunately now, we're usually at home. So, some of you might be wondering, how on earth can you handle that? Well, because Jesus. Um, how can you still smile and be happy? Well, because Jesus. Um, one night we were at dinner with Doug and Jandria, and Doug has even said, you guys have been through so much, and yet you're happy. Um, I laugh because I can't believe that's what he sees in me. Because <laughs> it's not, it doesn't feel like that all the time. But he's seeing Jesus in me. He's not seeing me because it's not through me. I can stand here and say, because Jesus, all day long. But that doesn't even begin to cover it all. So God doesn't speak to me in an audible voice. I know some people hear God's voice. That's not me. Um, I really wish he did. I feel like it would make it infinitely easier because it would be very clear. I'd be like, oh, that's God. Let's do this. Instead, God speaks to me through song, worship, and scripture. Um, my first Bible verse is Jeremiah 29:11, and these are all from the New Living Translation. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Uh, fun fact, Jeremiah, because of the many difficulties he endured is referred to as the weeping prophet. And that's probably why this verse speaks to my heart. It's a constant reassurance. No matter what happens, God is working and he has a better idea. See, well, I told you you stole half of my sermon when you were in here doing my quotes. And he's in control. It's not what I planned, but it worked out for good. Um, a lot of you probably know Paul wrote Romans. Paul, originally the evil Saul, experienced God's presence in a very obvious and profound way. He was a horrible, mean person who hated Christians. Um, we've actually been talking about this in kids' church for the last month. We've been talking about Saul from beginning to end. And um, one of the things we discussed was on the way to Damascus, a light from heaven flashed, Jesus spoke to him, and he was blind for three days. He's the last person in the world that I would have thought would experience God's presence. He definitely wasn't living for God. He definitely wasn't being, he literally hated them. And God saw something else in him. <clears throat> he experienced God's presence, and it changed everything. He, we wouldn't even have the book of Romans if it had, it had not happened. If God can speak to and completely change someone in, like Saul, as awful as he was, he can absolutely speak to us and use us for his purpose. I'm going to read a few verses from Romans chapter 8 because there are times when I don't know what to pray for or I don't understand what God wants me to do. And this is a real comfort for me and it feels like a good place to start sometimes. Uh, Romans 8, verses 26 through 28. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. 
For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. This was actually in my Bible reading this week as we're going through the Bible in a year. And I just, it was just the perfect thing for me because I do get there. I'm like, okay, I'm going to pray. And I sit there and I'm like, um, uh, pray for Tim and the girls. And, you know, I just hit the high points of what I know, things I'm thankful for. But then a lot of times I just have to be like, just tell me what you want me to do because I don't even know. Um, worship is my absolute favorite and it feeds my soul like nothing I've ever experienced. Worship and music in general has been a big part of my life. When I was about four years old, I remember sitting in the living room with my dad and he would put records on the record player and he would put his cassette into the little cassette player and he would record them so he would have them when he was in his car. Uh, as an only child, I spent hours and hours in my room listening to the radio and singing my heart out to what I now realize were very inappropriate songs. You don't know that till you play them for your children and then you're like, my kids are horrified. Um, but loving music and loving worship is why I think I relate so well to David in the Bible. Well, I didn't have to get anybody killed to get Tim, but as far as the worship and the music and the dancing and all that, it really, he, that's how he got his emotions out. Um, I hate letting my emotions out. I, in fact, I would rather stick myself in the eye with a stick than cry. Uh, it's not that I think crying is weak. I just don't enjoy it. Uh, perhaps that's why sometimes when I'm in my car listening to worship music, I cry like a baby. Um, sometimes I pull out ugly cry so hard that I can't see the road. I know it's not safe. Um, and that's part of why I asked Will to play Beautiful Things today. Because that song speaks to me no matter what mood or circumstance I'm in. Happy or struggling. It covers it all. I can sing it and be joyful because of all the things he's done. And I can sing it and be sad because I know of all the things he's doing and working. Um, he actually played Waymaker as well in part the chorus. That is on the wall in my craft room. So you just hit all the high points. Kudos, Will. We are on the same page. Um, I'm going to talk about my dear friend, Angela Whitson. She introduced me to a new show that is all about songs. It's called Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. I thought, well, I like music. I really like Lauren Graham from Gilmore Girls. And she's in it, so I'm going to give it a shot. Well, I think I was about five minutes into the show, and I was ugly crying so hard, I could not see the TV, I couldn't hear the lyrics or anything that was being said. Um, if you never have heard of this show, uh, the gist is Zoe has a freak accident, and she can hear people's heart songs. When, what people are feeling, especially emotions that maybe they can't communicate, uh, they start singing and dancing, and she's the only one who can see it and hear it. What got me 
was a song for her dad, that her dad sang, I mean. Zoe was having a rough day, and he had a, a terrible neurological illness that made it impossible for him to talk. I know this person is fictitious, but it really got me. Um, now, side note, my dad's been gone for 12 years. He passed away in 2008, and we were very close, and I still really miss him a lot. Um, in the first episode, Zoe's dad gets up and starts singing. True Colors by Cindy Lauper. I don't know, Google it. That was one of my dad's favorite songs. Um, so I promptly picked up my phone. I texted Angela, and I let her know what a terrible friend she was. Because she has now submitted me to the emotional trauma of this show. And like a true friend, she replied, maybe you just needed to think about your dad today. Ouch. <laughs> and true. So now I have subjected myself to 14 excruciatingly painful episodes of this beautiful, amazing show, um, which is a miracle that I just started season two because on the very last episode of the first season, the song that everybody sang was The Day the Music, by, the Day the Music Died by Don McLean, which is an older song, so some of you might not know it. Um, that was my dad's absolute favorite song. <laughs> and I just sat there and ugly cried and then texted her and she said, yeah, I ugly cried too. I mean, it's just something we do together. I have my friend to thank for that. Uh, you see, God uses everything, music, people, circumstances, literally anything to let us know he's present. He's everywhere all the time, present. Now back to David. Not only can I relate to him because of his love for music, but I also relate to him because he was a little all over the place emotionally. He messed up a lot, but God still loved him and blessed him. Um, I am doing the Bible in a year. I actually started it last year. I just felt like that was something I needed to do. And right now I'm probably somewhere in the middle of the second year because it's taking me like forever. It's gonna, I've done the Bible in a year before. I never get through it in a year. Sometimes I'm great at reading it. Sometimes, thank you, Emma. Uh, sometimes I'm really not. <laughs> uh, it's not because, I, I don't not do, read my Bible because I don't want to. I let other things distract me. I let organizing and cleaning and cooking and things like that distract me. There are times when I haven't looked at my Bible for a month or even longer, but I always go back. Um, it's what I have to do to keep on living for God. Lately, I've been reading the Psalms, and I can relate so much. For example, I had Psalm 88 and 89 on Wednesday, neither of which was actually written by David. He only wrote about half, but it's still good stuff. Um, in Psalm 88, verses 8 through 11, you have driven my friends away, making me repulsive to them. I'm in a trap with no way of escape. My eyes are blinded by t my tears. Each day I beg for your help, O Lord. I lift my hands to you for mercy. It's a little dramatic wasn't like super depressed, but I have days like that when I do feel that low and it's not because my friends aren't talking to me or my friends aren't, 
you know, I've become repulsive. I just struggle. Everybody does. Um, a professor of church history at the University of Chicago called this a wintry landscape of unrelieved bleakness. And I absolutely related. <laughs> there are days I'm pretty low key or down or anxious. And I listen to more soulful worship. I love to listen to Hillsong, Francesca Battistelli, Chris Tomlin, Mercy Me. And I want you to know it's absolutely 100% okay to have days like this. It is not okay to set up camp and live there. You, it sounds silly, but you gotta pick yourself up. You gotta let God pick you up because you can't stay there forever. You'll feel no hope. Psalm 89 one through verses one through two reads, I will sing of the Lord's unfailing love forever. Young and old will hear of your faithfulness. Your unfailing love will last forever. Your faithfulness is our, as enduring as the heavens. Complete opposite. Verse, or, uh, chapter 88 was sad. It was soulful. It was despair. Literally the very next verse is, you are God, you are in charge, and I will praise you and worship you all days. Those are the days when I feel really great. I listen to Toby Mac, Mandisa, Kirk Franklin, Lauren Daigle, and these are the days that I have to cling to when I'm having the hard days because I know for a fact that God is present even when I can't see him or hear him. He is always present. Well, last year, living in a pandemic had its challenges. Fortunately, I didn't really think it was so terrible. Um, nobody in my immediate family lost their job. They didn't have to go without a paycheck. Um, I consider myself to be a very social person, but I actually enjoyed staying home more than normal. Uh, I still only go out to the store if I absolutely have to. But it wasn't completely without its difficulties. Um, my mom, who some, used to come here, uh, she lives in a nursing home. Uh, the last time she was allowed to leave the nursing home was February 2020. I was not allowed to see her except through a window for, for several months. Even when they did start allowing the outside visits, we had to stay six feet apart. We couldn't, I couldn't hug her. I couldn't sit next to her. I wasn't even allowed to hand her things. Like if I brought her a treat, I couldn't even give it to her. I had to give it to someone who had to then turn around and give it to her. Um, then in early December, Tim got COVID. For the most part, he was okay just a few days of fever and a cough. But with the diagnosis came a 14-day quarantine with everybody at home, including Allie. She does not do well with remote learning. I do not do well with her remote learning. The quarantine started exactly two weeks before winter break. So she was home for a whole month, four weeks. I counted every day. Since we couldn't go out, I had to cook every single meal. I know, I'm such a complainer. 
but I like, like telling Amelia, go make yourself a quesadilla, you're fine. I had to cook everything for everybody. I didn't read my Bible much because my days were full of making sure Tim had what he needed, make sure Allie was able to log into her classes, emailing her teachers when she couldn't get onto her classes. And I couldn't even listen to music because everything had to be quiet so that the girls could both do online school. To add insult to injury, my birthday was in the middle of the quarantine, so we couldn't even go out to celebrate. And I wasn't turning 30, Will. Thanks for making me feel super old. Um, as I was sitting on my couch having a pity party about on my birthday, my mom called. She has her cell phone, so we can talk that way or FaceTime. She doesn't usually call me. Uh, the first words out of her mouth were, I tested positive. And I was soul crushed. Thank you, 2020. You really do suck. <laughs> At first, she wasn't having any symptoms. She got sick, really sick. She had a whole week, nothing. She's like, I feel great. I'm fine. Then she didn't feel fine. She got really weak. She couldn't eat. Um, Every night, I thought, what if my, the nursing home calls me tonight and tell me she's gone? Thankfully, my mom survived, and she is getting stronger every day. But I have to be honest, the past holiday season was hard. All I could think about was past holidays with my family, my kids being little, opening their presents, and I thought, what if my mom does die? Then I will be the only person in this world left with the memories of what things were like in my house growing up. Like I said, it was really hard. But then something awesome happened. Something that would not have even been possible if Tim and my mom hadn't gotten COVID. Um, we could have had my mom come for Thanksgiving, but we didn't want to take a risk of her catching something from us, so we just chose not to. But since Tim got COVID and my mom had COVID, there was no chance we were going to give her COVID. So my mom got to leave the nursing home. She got to come to my house. We got to hug. We got to cry. And we got to eat at the same table. God knew what we all needed made away. Without COVID, I wouldn't have been able to stay home with my family. Without COVID, my mom wouldn't have been able to spend Christmas with us. Without COVID, it might have been the worst Christmas ever, in my opinion. Being at home with no activities for almost a month was the exact thing I needed, but I didn't even know it. God knows what he's doing and he knows what's best for us. My next verse is Romans 8, 38 through 39. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. 
no power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. There are many times in my life when God's favor and present was clear and obvious. Uh, Tim and I were finally able to buy our second home in early 2017. Our daughter, Victoria, graduated college in 2019, a year early, I might add. She landed her dream job at the Advanced Learning Library here in Wichita. Um, actually, she's also applied, she was part-time, now she's applied for full-time, so thankful that that's popped up, especially in this economy. Allie graduated high school last May, and she now attends a program through the Wichita Public Schools, which specializes in training special needs adults um, and everything, everyday life skills and things like that. And even better, she can attend in person, which is best for everyone's sanity. She even says it. I asked her, I was like, I wish she could go to school on Saturday and Sunday. She goes, me too. She loves it. Our youngest daughter, Amelia, who is actually helping in Kids Church today, just finished high school in December. Um, she just got a job, part-time. And in August, she will head to Johnson County Community College to start a culinary program specializing in pastries and bread making. Tim has a great secure job. He survived layoffs and pay cuts. In September, I was able to quit my job at Andale and stay home full time. I planned to stay at my job until I retired but God showed me it was time to go. Since then, God has shown me so many different affirmations about this decision that it literally blows my mind. Like, I didn't really question it. I was very relieved when I quit, but then every day something happened. Like, I needed to take care of this, and I was home to be able to take care of that. I needed to do this. I needed to take care of that, and it was just all these things fell into place. Tim had literally gotten a pay cut a few months before I quit, and I was like, oh, I can't quit. And like maybe two months after, I, or about six weeks after I quit, his pay got reinstated to the amount it was before. Um, that was not us, <laughs> that was God. Um, I don't share all this with you to boast about my awesome life. I show it, I share to show God's mercy and presence. I cling to these amazing moments so I can get through the bad ones. Um, I do have another song reference for today. I try not to say lyrics because people are like, oh. But if you have a chance, there's a song by Francesca Battistelli called Defender. And I'm just going to read to you some of the lyrics. Um, this is one of those ugly cry songs. Um, you go before I even know that you've gone to win my war. You come back and you call it my victory. Your love becomes my greatest defense. It leads me from the dry wilderness. All I did was praise and all I did was worship. All I did was bow down and stay still. You saved me. Much, so much better is your way. You know before I do where my heart can seek to find your truth. Your mercy is the shade I'm living in and you restore my faith and hope. The bridge is what gets me every time. When I thought I had lost me, you knew 
where I left me. You reintroduced me to your love. You picked up, you picked up all my pieces and put me back together. You're the defender of my heart. Um, some of you have had a rough year. Some of you have had a rough life. I consider myself very fortunate to have a very good life. But I get it, because not every day is wonderful. I share this with you because I want you all to keep fighting, to get back up, Find somebody to talk to. I have a best friend I can call anytime and verbally vomit on her. <laughs> like, I share everything with her. And she does the same for me. And she holds me accountable. And she tells me when I'm crazy and wrong. And she tells me I heard the same thing. When you are, have time, I want you to crank up your worship song. And I want you to ugly cry. Even you, Tim. Like your life depends on it because it really does. I hope that this spoke to you. And I hope that you're able to hear my heart and God's plan and God's words in this mix-up jumble of stories. Um, the, after we're done, Will is going to play Beautiful Things again before we leave. And I really want you to listen to the lyrics and soak up the promises of God. <laughs>